From the headquarters of Team Cowboy, coming to you all the way from Anderson, South Carolina, this is the Finance Cowboy Show, where we're going to teach you how you can create your dream life through the greatest asset in the world, real estate. I'm your host, Jaron Sustar, and I went from having zero properties in 2018 to a portfolio of over $5 million worth of real estate by 2021. And I am excited to be able to teach you all the lessons, tips, and tricks that I have learned throughout my journey, while also introducing you to some of the greatest real estate minds in this entire world. So without further ado, let's get this party started. All right, so I'm here with David Lecco, the founder of Deal Machine. I'm super excited to talk to you today. David, what is up, man? Hey, Jaron. It's so nice to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is going to be a super exciting episode. Obviously, want to dive into Deal Machine. I'm excited to hear all about the origin story of that. I love origin stories of how people started investing, how they started their business. So that's going to be really cool, how you got into actual real estate investing from the get-go. You've done a lot of bird deals. you got a lot of doors. Um, and you know how you've been able to help a lot of people along the journey through all this. So before we dive into all the real estate stuff, give us a quick background on you know who David is, uh, you know behind the curtain. Yeah, so it's 2016, and I'm working like a dog for this company that I'm the only software developer, I'm the only tech support person, I'm actually the only person who can fix bugs or train anybody who's going to use this software, and I'm working like 80 hours a week. And it all comes to a head, like I'm sleeping with my computer, first of all, under my pillow because I'm getting calls and I, I'm the only one who's got to fix it. And I'm learning a lot because it's a small company. But after a little while of this, you know, the, the learning kind of wears off and I'm at my best friend's wedding and I'm having to leave the reception to go fix a bug in my actual car. And I think that this is so great because like I said, I'm getting to learn a ton but my best friend's wife, she's like, hey, they should like hire somebody else. Like you shouldn't put up with this. And I'm upset you missed a part of our reception. Like that's crazy. So I knew at that moment, I mean, a normal person would feel embarrassed, but I'm not a normal person. You know, I'm pretty even keel throughout life. But I, I, I truly uh, thought this is worth sacrificing so that I can have a better future, you know, having learned all this stuff, working at this small company. And so for that part, I'm very proud. I've always been somebody who's delayed gratification and I'm wanting to work as hard as I can earlier so I can have a really great life or reward later. And I didn't agree with her that it was a huge problem, although I did I did feel sad that she, you know, that it upset her. What I did take away though was like at that moment, it's like if I'm gonna work that hard, I'm actually gonna start, you know, working that hard for myself. And so I went searching around for what that would be, what I would work on. I didn't have like a business idea per se, but the guy who actually owned this small company that I've been working for, I noticed he had five rental properties. And so I asked him, I was like, why do you have rental properties instead of stocks or, you know, mutual funds like I have saved for my retirement? And he said, you know, stocks can go up and down, but real estate can give you cash flow every single month as long as you manage it well and you buy it right. So I went on this journey to figure out, well, how do you buy these real estate deals? And I couldn't find anything that would cash flow on the market. Everything I was looking at that was listed for sale, it was not going to be able to rent more than what the mortgage was. And I was in a pretty good cashless city like Indianapolis. I thought this yeah. is this is pretty good. So I was pretty discouraged. Um, luckily, I went to a meetup just to see if I could find more answers there. I found a whole ton of people doing deals. So I knew there was a way to do deals in the current market. I didn't have to, you know, just get these in 2009, which is when, you know, my boss bought his. And so I found out about this thing called wholesaling real estate. A lot of people did that at this meetup. 
Uh, and if you don't know what that is, you know, it's like where you, you find a deal and you make a $25,000 finder's fee for passing it off to an investor that, that does have money and that does want to close on it. So all that to say, I went driving for dollars, which is the number one advice that everyone at this meetup was giving me. And they said, you know, you have to find maybe a hundred rundown houses. I thought, okay. So I spent like two months after work, spending a little bit of time looking for rundown properties. And I had written down about 40 until, you know, my stomach dropped when I saw one of these properties, like two months in had been, somebody was working on it now. And I thought to myself, that's my property. I wrote that down. Of course, I went home and looked it up and somebody had just bought it. It was on my paper. So I felt so stupid. I was like, why, why did I not follow up? Like, why was I waiting so long to follow up? Mm. And then I was like, oh, that's because, you know, writing a letter takes a lot of time. And also I can't use like a mail house. Uh, at that time, you could only send like minimum 200. I only had 40 deals. Yeah. So I, I kind of used the software background I had to get this widget on my phone to help with my follow through process. And I actually, uh, you know, again, it's like a pretty even keel. I felt these feelings. I think most people would feel like pretty upset, but I was pre-solution oriented. So I went ahead and made this little widget for my own phone. And it was just for me, you know, but it would let me pin the house and it would let me look up who owns the address. And then there was a company I kind of combined it into, I integrated it with. So it would send like a single piece of mail as soon as I was ready to go. So that's pretty much um, how I got my first deal was that little widget on my phone. And it was like a $4,000 house. I used credit cards to finance the rehab, struggled, <laughs> struggled through this rehab process. And uh, thankfully, you know, I don't think I would have been able to do that um, had I not been kind of like an even keel, solution-oriented person and somebody who's like wanting to work really hard to get an outcome, even if that gratification is like delayed, I know that it's worth it. And what else am I going to do with my time? You said two things that... You said a lot of amazing things, and we're going to try to unpack all this. But from a from a high level, just mindset standpoint, I have the opportunity to interview a lot of successful people on this podcast, which is really cool because I start to see themes of what they all do that's very similar. And there's two themes that you said that I hear pretty much every show. Number one is delayed gratification. Mm. The majority of people can't do that. Or they, I don't want to say they can't, they decide not to. Yeah. What I have seen is people who are successful and who are different, they're able to implement that into their life and everything they do. They say, my dad said, you know, in South Carolina, we call it pay now, play later, delay gratification, whatever you want to call it. That is so important in life, whether it's with business, whether it's with real estate, it doesn't matter if you'll put in the work on the front end and can just keep your eyes on the vision of what the dream will produce on the back end. You're going to go so far in life compared to the average person is going to be ridiculous. And then the second thing you talked about is networking. Like you didn't know how to buy real estate. You're like, I got to figure this out. My boss does it. I want to go get around people who do it. And what happens, and you're a testament to this, when you put yourself in, vir in environments with other people who are already successful at what you're trying to accomplish, all you do is expedite your journey to, mm -hmm. to success in whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. That, I'm not surprised that you hear delay gratification and networking in a lot of different stories. I feel like there is, um, net, networking is certainly helpful, but I wanted to make a clarification uh, in terms of what my experience was. If you just network with people who want to do it also, that can lead you down a wrong path. If you you want to learn from somebody who's actually done it before. And this, this really helped me because my parents saw me become an engineer. They became very proud of that fact. Two years in, I actually quit my job 
to do real estate investing. This really bothered them. It really bothered them. I felt like they were surprised. I felt like they were concerned. They actually sat me down and they said, David, why don't you earn as much as you're you know, worth, all this hard work you did for your degree, buy a nice car, have a nice house, live a nice life like that. You know, They saw me being very restrictive. And I also took a pay cut to work that software job I told you so I could learn a lot. And if I hadn't been around people that were successful, I would have caved right? I would have thought, you're right. You're my parents. You've taught me so many correct things. You must be right. But thankfully, I was already around people who had success. And so I knew it was possible. And so I would just say, in terms of networking, really try to find some people who are successful. That's been my experience. That's spot on. Yeah, you get with people who aren't there yet. They just, a lot of, most of them are all talk, then they fizzle out. Mm -hmm. Then you kind of lose your zest. But if you can get around Mm -hmm. people who are already there. And then exactly, I made a post this morning. And this is a big, big thing for me personally. It always has been. It always will be of being careful who we take advice from because society, even our parents, like who we love and trust so much, I take a lot of advice from them. And then there's stuff that I don't take advice from them from. And the same thing will go true for my kids. But the society has has put these certain status symbols as like, this is what success is. The problem is, most of the time it leads to a middle-class lifestyle Mm -hmm. because if you want to become the one percenter, if you want to create financial freedom, especially younger in your career, you have to go out and do things that is against what society says is successful. And so I made a post this morning that says, buy a $60,000 truck and you're congratulated. Buy $20,000 worth of furniture, you're congratulated. Buy a $40,000 boat, you're congratulated. Buy a $12,000 Rolex, you're congratulated. But buy a $120,000 rental property and you're risky. Make it. Make yeah. It. Yeah. It's like, Everything. Every one of those other things is going to depreciate. Exactly. Maybe the Rolex. I will. I just anybody who's listening, who tries to come at you, maybe the Rolex won't. But the rest of that stuff, 100 percent is going to depreciate. And most of the time people are financing. They're financing their truck. They're financing their furniture. They're financing their boat. But they'll post it on social media and people are like, oh, I'm so proud of you. You're doing great. And I'm over here like. Bro, like you do whatever you want. I'm not going to call you out unless you call me and ask for advice, but you are literally eating up your income and your income is that fuel that propels your growth to wealth. And you're saying, I don't care. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. So I could preach on that all day long. I better not get on that topic because we won't talk. Where did you hear that from? That was pretty uh, powerful. Which, which part? You said if you, you buy a Rolex, you buy a truck, you know, you buy furniture, people are going to congratulate you. I don't know. I thought, I mean, I could have seen it somewhere. So if I did see it somewhere, I would love to give credit. I literally was outside this morning walking around driving my Ranger um, and <laughs> up in the yard and it hit me. So I just typed it out on Twitter. So if somebody else said it first and I stole inspiration, please come to me and I will give you the credit. But I don't know. I just thought about it. It's like, it's crazy. Like it's crazy that that's I like that, that works. So yeah, take it. You can take it and steal it. You don't even have to give me credit, David. Just go post it on your account. See how it does. <laughs> but so you were, you're a software engineer. We'll try to, we'll try to rein this thing back into real estate. Cause I could rant on the way people handle their finances all day long, but um, you software engineer, you start with wholesaling. And I imagine that at some point, and you kind of alluded to this already, like you missed that first property because of the way your process was. And I imagine you probably said, okay, there is a better way for me to lock up these deals and do follow-up and all the things that you were able to build out with Deal Machine. Is that correct? 
Yes. I was, you know, I, ha- I wasn't taking action with communicating with the owners. I was focusing on the easy part. It was fun to drive around and look for rundown properties and write them on my notebook and just think about doing a deal. Picture this. You're ready to put an offer on the perfect investment property, but then you hit a wall. Financing. Dealing with hard money lenders is the biggest headache us real estate investors have. And I thought that's just how hard money had to be until I met Backflip. Backflip is totally different. They're changing hard money by making loans actually stress-free. And I know this firsthand because I personally use them for my own deals. It's the perfect combo of tech and real people. Their free app makes everything more efficient and every loan is personalized to what matters to you, be it low interest, high leverage, or zero payments until you sell or refi. And while other lenders just write a check and forget about you, Backflip has been a true partner for my business. Call them anytime, with any question. Even if you don't borrow for them, you can use their app to pull comps and estimate profits. Discover the backflip difference at backflip.mobi backslash finance cowboy pod. Yeah. And so you said, we got to take it a step further, which is interesting because I have a list of probably 35 people right now that is just sitting in an inbox doing nothing. And I know that feeling. You get busy, you got podcasts that you're doing or you know, you're doing sales calls or whatever, and you just don't get around to it. Because it's like you said, I don't know if you guys have driven for dollars. If you haven't, you need to. It's so much fun, man. I do it all the time. Like even like, I don't even do set driving for dollar sessions all the time. Just when I'm driving around, I'm constantly looking for houses. And then you find one that's vacant, that's run down, or that's been sitting for rent for a while. It'd be a good opportunity to call another investor. And they're like, oh, I got one. You know, I'll, I'll mark it on my phone, type it in my notes. And then it's like, Oh man, I'll look three weeks later and there's that property that I written down. And why didn't I go follow up? You know, why didn't I do that? (laughs) But we don't, and we lose deals because of it. Right. So how did, how did deal machine get born out of that? Like, what does that, I guess, process look like from that moment you said, okay, like I can't have this happen to me anymore. Yeah. I'm still going to the meetup because I'm wanting to be around people who are doing deals and the person who runs the meetup sees the app and she says, I'll spend a thousand dollars to try any new marketing. And my jaw drops. I'm like, well, this isn't for sale. I'm not trying to sell this thing. What are you talking about? And this is just the widget you'd build out on your phone at the time. But you bet your butt. I went home and I figured out how to set up a payment processor. I figured out how to get this thing on the app store so she could get it on her phone. And I went to 99 designs to make a logo because you need a logo if you're putting it on the app store. And so and also, I'm like, man, what kind of name would I pick? All I could think of was at my software job, I mentioned when I would close a deal, they would call me a deal machine. And I thought that sounds pretty badass. So I'm going to name my app deal machine because it's for getting real estate deals. So now I got a name. Now I got a logo. It's on the app store. And then she negotiated me down to $700. It was a free app, but she was buying the mail that she could send through it. And so she negotiated a discount on the mail. She spent $750 and she was my first customer, Brittany Wicks. She was buying properties for a turnkey rental property called Alpine Property Solutions. And uh, she would buy in a bunch of places. She didn't live in Indianapolis, but she came once a month to buy 30 properties, which again, blew my mind. I couldn't imagine somebody doing that. So thankfully that those stars aligned and, and that ended up turning into Deal Machine, which wasn't meant to be a business, but is now you know, a software tool for helping real estate investors. 
thank you, Brittany. Right? Yeah, I mean, thank you. You did Brittany. a lot of hard work, hard work, but she, her coming up and being like, hey, let me use this thing. I feel like it. sometimes it takes outsiders kind of opening our eyes to what we actually have. And it seems like she did that for you. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, she definitely didn't uh she she wasn't like you should make this a business but she was just like i, I want to use this you know i would love to try anything new to get an edge that's really cool so what does it look like it's walk us through deal machine if no if anybody's never seen it what does it do mm-hmm. yeah so it started out um there's a map you can pin a house it'll tell you who owns it you can press a button to send a letter to the owner and the letter says if you're interested in would you like to receive an offer on your house if so i can close quickly and with cash Give me a call or text. Have a great day. That's simple. So, yeah, now it can you know help you give offers confidently by using the comps feature on the mobile app, and you can also you there's an AI assistant that helps with that analysis paralysis where it's like how much is this house worth? How much can you help me estimate uh, rehab costs? So it knows real estate data, so it can help you with those answers. And then you could also just build a list of like expired listings with 35 percent equity and send mail to those people or people who are behind on their taxes. So that's what Deal Machine does. And it's differentiated by 100% of all that being in a mobile app that's been rated you know, 6,000 times with a 4.8 star review. So it's, it's very mobile, like on the go, and is the only one that has all that stuff in the mobile app like that. We, we really focus on keeping that simple and smooth um, and that's Deal Machine. It's a marketing tool to help investors get off market deals. I love that. I love that. You guys go check it out. If you don't already have it, Deal Machine, go check it out. That's that's fabulous. And you build it from experience, which is always, in my opinion, <clears throat> that's when you get the best product. When somebody is doing the thing themselves, they right. run into a problem and you're like, dude, I need a solution. Like You right. know what investors need and you're able to build that out. I think that's pretty darn cool. Well, I'm a cool guy, so expect high things. Duh, that's that's obvious. I didn't even know we had to say it. That's obvious. <laughs> so you out you, you build out your own portfolio as well. I gotta imagine your app, you know, helps. Yeah, you. yeah. So I use like it that. to get like five deals, wow. and uh, the way I financed those was I had a friend that had a, a really nice salary job in Chicago that wanted to get into real estate investing. So he provided the down payment and the mortgage, but I owned fifty percent of the house. And so that was how I financed those rentals before I had like a, a, a reliable W-2 income because I had just quit my job. Yeah. And then now I've added 10 more on my own. So I got 15, uh, about 2.8 million is the value. And uh, it's like a 1.8 million uh, equity position. So a lot of that equity has been created by finding such great deals, you know, that you can do the burst strategy, recycle your money and have you know, created 25% equity in each of the properties. And the that- other part of the, uh, appreciate is from appreciation. Just I've, mm-hmm. I've held them for five years. Um, uh, when I look back at it this year, I thought, man, why did I stop buying rentals just because the software company went up, you know, it was, was such a big opportunity. They've appreciated so much. I'd be really rich right now <laughs> just from the appreciation on the rentals. So I'm buying again this year. Yeah, but when you're building a business, dude, I've been doing it on my end, you know, with the Finance Cowboy brand. And we we took a break in 2021. I don't think – I bought one property in 2021. as an Airbnb. It was a heck of a deal. I couldn't pass it up. But you kind of get focused on your baby, quote, unquote, when you have a, a small business. And it is what it is. And I look back at myself and kind of kick myself sometimes too. But it seems like it's it's worked out with Deal Machine. So you've primarily done the Burr strategy, correct? Yes. 
Yeah, it's pretty powerful. For those of you who don't know, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know what the birth strategy is, but it's where you buy a property, usually distressed or undervalued, uh, has to be undervalued, but usually distressed, rehab it, uh, rent it out. Then after you've rehabbed it and you got it rented out and it's a lot nicer than when you first bought it, you're going to go to a bank and you're going to refinance that. They're going to pay you back or your private lender back or your hard money lender back or your HELOC back, whatever money you use to purchase that property on the front end. And then you're going to take that money and you're going to repeat it again on another property. If you guys know my story, I bought my first two properties in 2018 using my own cash, 20% down, doing on re- my own rehab. And then I quickly ran out of money and I realized, okay, like if I'm going to actually scale a portfolio that's going to have any impact on my life, then I got to figure out a different strategy. And we started implementing the birth strategy and we bought 19 units in 2019. And it is a fantastic strategy that allows you to scale in real estate. You usually get a lot of high cash on cash returns. Maybe your cash flow gets hit a little more than if you were to buy it traditionally with 20% down, but you're able just to stack properties on top of each other. And just like David said, the equity over time, David, I got to get your opinion on this. You may differ than me, so that's okay. We can argue about it if you do. On social media, I spend a lot of time on social media promoting the brand, putting out content. So many people only focus on cash flow, and it drives me insane because cash flow is fantastic. But the longer I'm in real estate, the more I realize that your wealth, the life-changing part of real estate, doesn't come from the cash flow but it comes from that equity build over over time. What's your take on that? That's been my experience too. I've cash flowed $79,000 per year, which has been fantastic. Yep. It's been about a 23% cash on cash return from any down payments that I did have in the properties uh, per year. But the appreciation you know, has almost been a million dollars. And I didn't do anything. That was while I was making the cash flow. I'd say that's pretty darn awesome. And you don't do that. People, the next thing people are going to say is, well, you got lucky. You caught the market at the right time. Listen, you don't get lucky unless you play the game. If people call LeBron James lucky. People call Michael Jordan lucky. Whatever. They're playing the game. You're not. If you're not in real estate, you're not playing, so you don't get the opportunity to get lucky. And I can tell you, when I was buying, and, and Dave, you probably remember this, when I was buying in 2018, bad time to buy, don't buy. 2019, bad time to buy, don't buy. 2020, every year, people are talking about how it's the worst time to buy real estate, but those who just continue to buy good properties over and over and they hold on to them for any amount of time, not say any amount of time, for a longer extended period of time, you're giving yourself a pretty darn good chance to have a lot of success. Yeah. You've got a lot of little quips that are nice to remember. If you're not playing the game, you're not going to have the opportunity to get lucky. The way I see cash flow is to de-risk the investment. If I'm cash flowing, I'm never, ever going to have a problem if I'm locked into these 30 year fixed rate mortgages and the appreciation is definitely going to happen. But I'm not in a rush for it to happen. I don't need it to happen within a certain time frame because I'm making money every single month. So the cash flow is to de-risk the investment and the real wealth comes from appreciation. That's perfect. I love that. What do you think Burr looks like in 2023? A lot of people have that question. I got my thoughts. What are yours? Oh, I'm doing three right now. Yeah. But I thought you, you got to find the deals. deals. <laughs> you got to find the deals. There's always people in a tough situation. It doesn't matter what the interest rates are. Here's one I just did last week, actually is I pulled the list of tax delinquent properties, which I had never done before. I've always been a driving for dollars guy. I've always been like looking for rundown houses. I still market that way today. I just thought, I'm gonna try something new. I'm gonna pull the people who haven't paid their taxes this month from the county website. I switch it and upload it in the deal machine so I can send out mail immediately. That next week, I just got a few calls, amazing leads. 
I did a deal where he bought it for 200K. He owed 180K. He sold it to me for 160, meaning he brought 20,000 to pay off his loan, plus he brought 10,000 to pay off the back taxes that he had. And the reason why is because he's an orthodontist in Utah who bought properties in Indianapolis two years ago under some misguidance, bought them a little bit too high, had a lot of time getting those things fixed up because contractors knew that they wouldn't be able to fix it up for the budget that he needed. And he just sat there and sat there and sat there and they were draining his bank account. And he was very happy to unload these properties. And so I bought that one, like I said, last week for 160, which is 40,000 less than he bought it two years ago. It's appreciated since then. He just bought it too high. And yeah. that's an example that has no effect from interest rates on how to find a great deal. There's yep. always somebody in a tough situation like that. Yep. And they need to get rid of properties and you need to be that solution. I've seen, you know, my take is I think there's tons of bird deals. I'm doing them. I'm also doing a, a decent number of flips right now. I'm running into, I guess, where prices are starting to drop. I'm catching them kind of on that way down where uh, it still makes okay sense as a rental, but it makes really good sense as a flip. So we're taking our, our capital and continue to move. But there are tons of burr opportunities. I, I've got two right now. Mm -hmm. And where I want them, I bought at 60, you know, ARV probably going to be 115 to 120. Another one I bought at 74, ARV would be 230. And it's like, bro, I mean, this is just one after the other. The one thing I will say that you have to look at, I've had to look at more in 2023 with the higher interest rate is on the refi, how much you're refining out and what that cash flow number looks like on the refi on the back end. So you want to make sure you're getting it at a lower price on the front end, or maybe you leave a little capital in the deal to make sure your cash flow is where you want to be. But the the deals are, I'm not just saying this guys and guys, listen, the deals are out there. You heard David just say it. Uh, he said he's doing three. I have two right now. I have two other ones that I maybe could have held on to, but I'm flipping them. So a lot of opportunity. And I would encourage you guys to go out and, and get these deals done. It's a, it's, it's turning into a buyer's market very, very quickly. Cause it was just a big time seller's market and that has shifted and it's going to continue to shift here for the next little while. And so I would encourage you to jump on it, David. I want to appreciate you for coming on, man. This has been fantastic. I love the product you've built out. I love your story. Where can people find you? Where can they find deal machine? Give us all the good stuff. What I think would be really relevant is when, you, when you're a newbie trying to find a deal and you're intimidated by the interest rates is actually, how do I make these lowball offers without feeling ungenuine, without feeling I'm taking advantage of somebody? And I would recommend uh, my own podcast. I just did this episode. It's called the Deal Machine Podcast and it's called MC4. It's really easy to find. You scroll down where Steve Trang talked about lowball offers. It's like the most listened to episode. I would highly recommend checking out that one if you guys want to know. And, and that's a great place to, you know, get in touch with me um, and learn a little bit more about how we're helping people do those lowball offers. My Instagram is, is the second best place and that's DLECO. Love it. Listeners, take a screenshot of you listening to this, whether you're on podcast, YouTube, whatever, tag me and David on Instagram, post it to your story, tag us on Instagram. We both love to tell you, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. David, appreciate your time, man. This was very insightful and uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Jaren. It's been great.